0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, where our scares and dares episode, where we cover our favorite scare of the week and provide the NFL bets we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football at Garbage Time, and with me is my co-host for Scares and Dares, Senior Staff Writer, Joanne
0: Hull. Hey, everyone.
1: All right. Well, we got lots to talk about because, of course, we have Super Bowl 57 right around the corner. Today, we'll be discussing our new scare of the week, the 2022 movie Deadstream, and giving you the best we dare to make. So, let's get this started. All right, let's start with our Scare of the Week, the 2022 movie Deadstream, available for streaming on Shudder or AMC+. Deadstream is, uh, as I mentioned, 2022, it comes uh, clocks in at a very brisk one hour and 27 minutes, directed, produced, and written by Joseph Winter and his wife, Vanessa Winter, and actually starring Joseph Winter as well. So as per usual, we're going to give you a little bit of background on this movie and then we'll tell you how we, uh, what we think about it, our scarometer, what we like most and least, and, of course, our star rating for the movie. So moving right along, this movie, Deadstream, uh, begins with an opening screen saying, In October of 2022, a beloved Internet personality disappeared in a house near Peyton, Utah, while broadcasting a live event a year later. It was found. Similar to what we've seen, obviously, in things like The Blair Witch Project, Before the camera pulls back and reveals those words are written on a T-shirt that self-identified piece of trash Sean Ruddy, paid again by Joseph Winter, is selling as merchandise. A disgraced and demonetized YouTube personality after one ethically dubious stunt gone wrong caused audiences to turn on him and sponsors to leave him. And Sean filmed an apology video and vowed to live stream his way back to profitability by spending the night in Death Manor, a house supposedly haunted I sorted ghost children and/or a dead 19th century poet named Mildred Pratt. As part of the deal with his new sponsor, an energy drink uh, manufacturer, he leaves, or he, if he leaves or fails to fully explore the house, he loses his new sponsorship. So Sean decides to throw his car spark plugs into the woods when he arrives at the house to stop him from leaving. Sean proceeds to rig the house of multiple motion-activated cameras, and in addition to one he carries, and another one mounted on his head for POV shots, and he finds a, quote, safe room, unquote, to use as his command center as he explores the house. Throughout Sean's time in the house, he's constantly bombarded by his livestream followers' comments, some helpful and some not so helpful, but all of which Sean encourages to increase his viewership. Sean even brings with him a wheel of random events to entertain his viewers that at times forces him to do certain less-than-intelligent things in the house, such as hold a seance. And after the seance, of course, someone tries to break into Sean's safe room, and predictably, Sean freaks out. But it turns out to be Chrissy, a self-reported superfan of Sean's YouTube channel. Chrissy then joins Sean as he continues to explore the haunted house. But when Sean accidentally angers a vengeful spirit, it becomes a real-time fight for his life and social relevance as he faces off with the sinister spirit of the house and her powerful following. So... With that said, what do you think here, Joanne, about the movie Deadstream?
0: Uh, I really liked it. I know we've been on a <clears throat> horror movie kind of binge, binge yeah. <laughs> but I think Deadstream was one of those um, really rare found footage films that I really liked.
1: Yeah, and I know you generally don't like found footage films, yeah, right? I mean, but so
0: so many horror movies are found footage right. because I think people kind of relate that to being something scary ever since the Blair Witch, which I kind of disagree with, but.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because Blair Witch was obviously unique for its time. It was probably the first mainstream found footage film.
0: It was in a movie movie I really did not like. Well, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, of course, take it for what it's will. Obviously, after you know that it's not real, it has a lot less Uh, impact right so found footage films nowadays you know are not real I think at the time that Blair Witch Project came out people were kind of debating whether it was real or not and that was kind of the mystique of the entire movie so you know seeing in that context it was kind of like oh my gosh are we actually seeing people being stalked by these witches uh or is it just you know It's,
0: it's not that it was more of the camera angles the shooting the shakiness like those are all the things that I don't I I don't really like about found footage. So
1: shaky cam is
0: really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, I don't know. It's just something about it. Um, I'm just not crazy about it. Okay,
1: so what, what did they do right here? What did you like most about this movie? Why, what did they do right here that made you like Deadstream? when you don't generally don't like found footage.
0: I think it it probably was um, you know how we say the shaky cam the fact that uh, all of all of the cameras were mounted Right. so even though it was found footage a lot of it was you know um it wasn't A lot of it wasn't. It looked like... Well, he did have the POV camera. Yeah, he did, yeah. And
1: he had the head cam. So
0: it's definitely a found footage uh, style movie, but at the same time, it also isn't Mm -hmm. um, because of all the cameras. So they kind of um, project it like it is just a, a... Scene shooting type of deal, yeah, yeah. Sort of, sort of like what they did in Hell
1: House, which they they had a lot of mounted cameras mm-hmm. around. It made it less shaky shaky cam footage and yeah. more just kind of like um, uh, almost security footage. Yeah,
0: and I and not only that, um, but also I thought the uh, story and just the. Entire movie was done really well for a found footage film and for a premise that's been done a hundred times. Yeah. I thought it was done really well. There wasn't anything
1: super unique about the story, but I mean, like, um, quite frankly, they they were all in, right? I mean, Joseph Winter, who played Sean Ruddy, Mm -hmm. was basically all in on this. And Melanie Stone, who played Christy, did a great job as well. And I think what was interesting about it is that they gave uh, him a reason to make poor decisions. Right.
0: And I think that <laughs> is what is, is what made kind of made the movie. Cause when you watch these things, you're always like, why would you do something like that? Right. And granted the spark plug thing was really pretty stupid, dumb. Pretty but dumb. But like, I understand why he did it. Yeah. It's totally stupid, but I understand. But at the same time, you know, that wheel that he created for himself. Right. It's like stuff that you see in every horror movie that you would say, like, don't do it. Right. but They always do it. And, you know why he's doing it. So. Right.
1: Because it's in a wheel and his followers want him to do it. Right. So there you go. So I think, I think that's the one nice thing is that, that they, it really does kind of put into play the entire internet personality portion of this and kind of make that relevant to right. why the movie was for it. And it's a great excuse because as we know, this this kind of uh, internet personality influencer type, you know, persona has been used many times in movies of re, of late mm-hmm. and what drives them is attention, right? Likes and subscribes. Yeah. And this is a great reason to, to make him do things that we generally think is just poor decisions. Yeah. And, yes. and there you go. There you get The horror movie, right? Yes. <laughs>
0: it
1: is. Yeah. I kind of felt like, and I, and I read about this elsewhere. Someone called it the Gen Z version of the Blair Witch Project. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't
0: know if that's true. Because
1: the Blair Witch Project was kind of serious and this was not serious.
0: No. Yes, like, there was nothing humorous about Blair Witch. Right, right. I mean, that's just straight out. It was supposed to be, like, horror and intense. I mean, this, like, um, Winters actually created a lot of levity in in the entire movie. So even though... Um, he made it very believable when he was scared you were you were like oh my god you know something's going to happen you right. know like yeah. i mean he just did a very convincing job
1: Yep all right so what did you like most about the movie and what did you like least
0: You know there's two things i really liked and i was kind of debating which one i liked more and one i think is um is uh winters uh, yep. the, the the actor director producer of Yes the so Winters. Yes the Jack of all trades like yes. i thought he really um played his role very well mm-hmm. he was like i said he was very convincing he was, all in. he was all in and the fact that he mixed you know his comedic side with the horse i think just think he just did everything just really well kind of like horrible. evil dead right yes. I mean,
1: can i remind you of evil dead and a sam Raimi? and that's production?
0: what we said we said that it was kind of like a, a sam Raimi
1: um, production like yeah, evil
0: dead, yeah yeah we, that's what we compared it to after we finished watching it the other part i really liked um was the live stream factor. Yes. Yeah. So while, you know, he's doing this it's all live stream. So he was reading off comments, mm. you know, through the movie and also asking for help. Is yeah. anyone out there can right. you give right. and so I I thought that addition was also really clever.
1: Well, I think that was kinda of, and that's the the entire point behind this is that he's doing something incredibly dumb and incredibly stupid, incredibly dangerous, but he's doing it because of these subscribers and so he needs the feedback. Mm-hmm. Right. He right. needs the feedback. But like them. the
0: comments, I thought some of the comments were they're realistic, realistic right? Because yeah. a lot of them were, were very realistic. Yes. Yeah, a lot uh-huh. of people were
1: poking fun at him. Yes. some of them were calling him a uh, wimp, and some of them and, were uh, just saying they don't believe
0: him. Right, and and people, on also like you know, people are actually giving them help. Yeah, like, there are a handful yeah. of people who are helpful. They were like looked into stuff and told him like what like you know at one at one point there was a symbol he finds and he doesn't know what it is. Yeah. And, one of his subscribers goes and looks it up and tells him what it is. I mean, like all those, I just thought that was a very clever addition. And, to it. and
1: that way reminded me of the other Shudder um, movie, Host, which was all kind of filmed over uh, basically Zoom, in which case each of them were finding out different things in different locations. Mm-hmm. It kind of had a similar feel. And,
0: but that was also very different. It was...
1: Well, that was a much yeah. more serious uh, movie, but also very much, much more brisk. So I, I actually liked that one in many ways better than this. But this actually was very funny and enjoyable. Uh-huh. I thought it was great. So what did you like least about
0: this? Um, that it was found footage. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but but, but yeah, found footage, yeah, you mean they kind
1: of neutralize that, yeah. right? I mean, like I said, there, a lot of it was yes. like fixed angle cameras.
0: It is, but at the same time, you know, like I'm just not a fan of found footage films. I mean, I, it's for me, like, one of the things I thought was a little off-putting, I think, were the, um, the uh, ghosts, I guess.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, it's not that they weren't scary, but I guess because of, you know, the way sound footage is always shot, the appearance of it always looks. Not too realistic for me. Okay, but they do.
1: But I think that's why also why they had the shaky cam part, right? Because you don't want to get a good look at any of the low budget uh, special effects, right? Because
0: you don't have right, you don't have a lot of the I feel like a post production as you would in all these like you would have almost zero post production, (laughs) you know, budget movies. So I I mean like, but that's something you can't really help when you're doing something like this. So I don't want to criticize it too much for it. Uh, the realistic appearance of like the the ghost makeup or what appearance or whatever you want to call it. Right. And not to take away any of the horror parts because there was very good imagery. Yeah, movie. no, I think for the most part,
1: they did they did a great job with the budget they had, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, all right, so I, I think that um, it was obviously a, very, a great found footage movie. I think they could have done, they don't think they could have done much more with it from no, what they did. No. So let's give us your uh, scaro meter here, zero to ten. Yeah. Ten being the most, zero being nothing.
0: Um, This one I'm going to give a I think if people thought, I think they would be uh, scared a little more than average. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, uh, I don't know. I just, just thinking about it, I just felt it was a little better than average for the scare factor. Yeah,
1: I'd say that early on, and and I'm going to agree with you, I'm actually going to bump it up to a seven, because I think early on you could feel kind of the fact that he was in there on his own, And although the followers are there with him, he's the only one who's at risk. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of put yourself in that situation and say, oh, my gosh, this is it's kind of great to have people around you in terms of uh, remotely. But it actually accentuates how limited that type of interaction is. Yeah. Right? Because they can't do anything to help you except for give you information. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people nowadays think of social media as being the real connection of people, but how connected can that be in a situation here? It really kind of makes that a dichotomy, yes. you know, you're in- I mean,
0: that's a really good point. And also the the place, the location was very isolated. Yeah,
1: super isolated. So when
0: you take into a fact that, you know, you are isolated, all you have are these people, like, watching you live stream, Yep. it creates a sense of, I think, a, a lot of vulnerability if yeah. you are in danger.
1: It's like isolation, but in a group, because, you know, it, it's just like they say, like, a uh, city can be one of the loneliest places, because you're there with a lot of people, but you're not, you don't know any of them, you can connect with right. any of them. Here, it's a similar situation, where he's in an isolated location, and he has probably millions of people that are watching him, mm-hmm. but none of them could do anything for him. No. Right. So I think it's very interesting there. And of course um, the Chrissy factor, I won't say more about that, but a very yeah. interesting part of the movie uh, being the super fan that mm-hmm. to join him on site. All right. Give us a star rating zero to four. A three. Three. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's pretty darn good. It is. Uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half. Mm-hmm. I actually think um, it is. Uh, it's great. It's on footage. It is kind of a one-man show. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Which makes it super hard. Yeah,
1: it is. It's really hard. The routine grows a little bit stale near the end. Uh, You know, I'm not almost saying much more about it. But I think that, honestly, they could have shaved a little bit more and made it just as um, brief and thrifty as Host, which was only like 58 minutes. I think they could have done the whole thing. Oh, that's interesting.
0: You think it was a little too long. Yeah, yeah. I think they could have done this a little bit faster. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, I I guess there were repetitive parts, but... I felt like those repetitive parts rolled into something else. So yeah. it wasn't a long movie. I didn't feel like a no, long movie. No, it was, it
1: was still very uh, brief, like No, I said, but it, it didn't
0: feel like a long – because we've watched hour-and-a-half movies, and we're like, holy shit, like, we still have another half-hour. What is going on? <laughs> well, is this...
1: no, obviously not a great movie. Right, right, it's, right? Not, no, it's not a great mean, movie.
0: It's, but, like, this one, you were kind of waiting for something else to happen. and I don't know. I just – I. I think because it was found footage and I enjoyed it, like I want to bump up that score.
1: Okay, sounds good. So you give it three stars, I give yeah. it two and a half stars. Again, we were reviewing Deadstream, the 2022 movie available now on Shudder and AMC+. Plus. Okay, let's get the boxing bell on that one and turn to the other side of this. Let's turn to the bets that we dare to make in Super Bowl 57. So give us your first player prop bet that you got.
0: So I'm doing two tight ends this week, okay. and the first tight end is Travis Kelce, and that's 79.5 total receiving yards, and okay. I did the
1: over. The over.
0: That, you know, this one was really hard. Um, I really debated whether to do over and under, and maybe my reasoning for doing over is not the best reasoning at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis. First of all, Travis Kelce, he has, he has the eighth most receiving yards this season. Mm-hmm. He, but of, of any player, of any, any player, that, you know, not just tight end. No, not tight any end. player. Any yeah. player. Yeah. He has the he has the eighth most receiving yards mm-hmm. as a tight end. He is the top. Mm-hmm. He, he is the leader right. of tight ends in close. this league. It's yeah. not even close. Um, and and that just tells you um how much ability Travis Kelce has. Mm-hmm. So this is the hard part. I mean, I gotta give credit to these betting places yep. when they pick the line. Yep. So on average this season, Travis Kelchi has an average of 78.7 receiving yards. 79.7. 79.7?
1: Or 78.7. No, 78.7. Oh, 78.7. 7.
0: 7. Okay. 7. Oh, I see. When you include the postseason, yeah, yeah, yeah. Post yeah. he has 79.7.
1: Wow. Okay. So, so Mr. So consistent, really. Right.
0: I mean, if you look at his stats, there are games where he went all out and there are games where he has only like 30 yards. I right. mean, it just really depends. Right. But on average, he is out there. He is there right there on that betting line. Yep. So, You know, that's why I think it made it really hard Mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, when you look at the Philadelphia defense, Mm -hmm. tight ends have really struggled against them. Yeah. And when looking at all of the teams that played against Philadelphia this year, only two teams got over uh, 79.5 yards. Uh Um so 80 yards at the end of the game. Uh-huh. And from even their tight ends. From their, oh, from their tight ends. Uh-huh. We're talking about tight ends, from yes. their tight ends. And those two teams were Week 13, the Tennessee Titans, yep. and Week 17, the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, And so you're asking yourself, how did they manage to do that? That's because it was a total of three tight ends that made those numbers
1: in in the tight for the titans or for all of them
0: for the titans and for the saints so oh there were three tight ends in both teams yes that um that totaled uh or week 13 against Tennessee. who managed
1: to exceed 79.5 right, that okay. got 94 yards i got yards. you i got you wow and
0: so and then for weeks there were also three tight ends right. that you know totaled 88 yards
1: okay right, so this doesn't bode well for your bet right so far. <laughs> it doesn't bode well for my
0: bet and that's why i was like i don't know if the rationale is you know right for this bet right but i picked the over because i was really thinking about this and and if the kansas city chiefs want to win
1: yeah
0: and i think you had mentioned it before yeah. like travis kelty needs to put up those points like he, yeah. i mean he needs to go and get the ball and you know he's going to be heavily defended i and, mean like there's like, unguardable no, he's yes, unguardable you saw last no week but so, and, and and talking about last week, I mean, he actually got the under with 78 yards, right? Yeah,
1: right right there on the line. Right.
0: So it, he has come up strong against, like, car defenses, and he's come up, like, low, you know, short against them as well. So I think this is really just a matter of, like, how who, much opportunity, who wants it more right. type of game. And, you know, and – for the Kansas City Chiefs to win, like, Travis Kelce will need 80 yards.
1: Yes, yeah. He will. If he doesn't get 80 yards, it's hard to imagine that the Kansas City Chiefs right. win.
0: And that's why I said he's going to get the over. Right. And it because he's going to need those yards to win.
1: Yeah. And, of course, the other aspect of this is that Patrick Mahomes not a full stable of receiving options at this point. Uh, many, many injuries in last week's uh, AFC Conference Championship game. Uh, all of Juju Smith-Schuster, Tony and Nicole Hardman going out of injury. So far, Nicole Hardman likely not to play, and the other two still haven't practiced yet, so unknown if they will play. Okay. So certainly will uh, weigh in favor of Travis Kelce mm-hmm. getting a full load of targets.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you just, this is a really uh, great line for I think to our fantasy to put it in. <laughs> yeah, I say, I say. <laughs> because they need it, but you don't know if he's going to get it. Yeah, it's kind of a fifty-fifty yeah. gamble yeah. here. It is a it's a coin flip at this point. All
1: right, so you're taking the over on over. seventy-five, seventy-nine point five receiving yards for Travis Kelce. So my first pick is also for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's Isaiah Pacheco, the running back. The over/under is sixty-seven point five total rush and receiving yards. Again, sixty-seven point five total rush and receiving yards, I am taking the over on 67.5 total rush and receiving yards. So let me tell you why. Eagles, they allow the 16th most rush yards per game, 121.6, and the ninth most yards per carry, 4.6, to opposing teams during the regular season. So they're number one against the pass, but they certainly are vulnerable on the ground. And although the Eagles allow the least receiving yards to opposing teams this season, they allow the 13th most receptions and the 18th most receiving yards to opposing running backs. So they do stop those receivers, but they don't really stop in total. Those running back. So you may say, just wait a minute here, guys. Wait a minute. Pacheco only averaged 56.5 total yards per game in the regular season. But let me tell you this. In the playoffs, particularly with Patrick Mahomes with a high ankle sprain, the Chiefs have predictably increased their RB usage, and Pacheco has been the primary beneficiary. Against the Jaguars in the divisional round, Pacheco had 13 total touches for 101 total yards against the Bengals. And against the sorry, and against the Bengals in the conference championship, Pacheco had 15 total touches for 85 total yards. Both of those numbers over 67.5 total yards. With injuries across the board that I just mentioned to Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Tony, and Nicole Hardman, you know, I think Mahomes will have to target more than just Travis Kelce alone. We all thought Jarek McKinnon was the receiving back, but Pacheco has had six total receptions in the playoffs, while McKinnon has had only two. And uh, and all that together means that I am bullish on Pacheco taking advantage and going over 67.5 total rush and receiving yards.
0: Yeah, I mean I think there is going to be a lot of uh, plays that um, you just haven't seen through the season. I yeah. mean there just has to be with the way that the Chiefs are are hampered with their players, yeah. with Mahomes' ankle. You know, it's there's just too much going on where they really need things that we just have not seen that Philadelphia has not seen, that they just can't be prepared for. And Pacheco
1: was, was the one guy who is absolutely – I mean, aside from Travis Kelce getting pelted with targets, Pacheco is the one guy on the Chiefs that has unilaterally increased since the beginning of the playoffs. Yeah. So I think his uh, opportunity to beat that, particularly since it's a total of Russian receiving yards and particularly because the Eagles are vulnerable on the ground and also vulnerable to passing, pass-receiving uh, running backs I think he's going to go over 66, 67.5. five. All right. So, what do you got as your next pick? Uh,
0: my second tight end is Dallas Goddard, and that is forty-six point five receiving yards, and mm-hmm. I picked the over. Okay. So yeah, I'm just I'm just going to go all in with the tight ends this week. <laughs> uh, right all late. next week for the for the Super Bowl, but Dallas Goddard averages eighty-five point five receiving yards over the regular season in the uh-huh. twelve games that he's played. And only five of those were below 46.5 receiving yards. Okay. So I'm going to say that I'm pretty confident that he is going to be a target for um, for Jalen Hurts. And mm-hmm. it's funny because, like, Gordard is, is also um, a player where he could score big and he could score really low. I mean, sure. again, you just don't know. I mean, against the 49ers, he only had 23 yards. Yeah. But, I mean, we're going to say that Kansas City Chiefs defense is not as good as the 49ers. And they didn't
1: need him against the 49ers. Yeah. right. So so
0: whether good or bad, you know, the the, the Chiefs defense has allowed forty an average of 47.6 receiving yards to tight ends this season. Okay. That is over the 46.5 that uh, Goddard is, is stated for. Uh-huh. He is the, the primary tight end on that team. Uh-huh. And I just think that, you know, he is... Just going to beat that number.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right. I just,
0: yeah, I just don't see. How, I agree with that. Yeah. I like
1: that. I like that pick because I think a lot of people are focusing on A.J. Brown and Devontae Oh, Smith. yes.
0: All season long, as soon as A.J. Brown has joined the team, like, everyone has been watching him and everyone has been covering him. Not that he hasn't gotten his opportunity, Oh, absolutely. but it's been less and less as the season went on.
1: Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. The Philadelphia Eagles, actually, even though they destroyed the 49ers last week, had one of their poorest performances of the year. They actually only averaged uh, 3.4 yards on the ground and 4.8 yards per pass, and they had an average play of less than four yards per play. So they weren't really that good, and every player really kind of underperformed. But the 49ers really just had nothing on offense, so I mean, nothing they could do. I mean, I
0: just this is really funny because we discussed this, but like you watch the you know the conference championships to see like what team would actually be better for the Super Bowl, but you had no information for uh, Philadelphia and the 49ers because the 49ers were just not the 49ers, right? They They were not the 49ers. would they have won if everyone on, you know, the 49ers were healthy? Maybe. You don't know. There was that crazy call that the referees missed. I mean, there's yeah. just, like, so much stuff that went on that you just got no information of if, you know,
1: How they Philadelphia yeah.
0: was this good of a team facing a defense this good.
1: Yeah, I mean, they certainly had the benefit of having their um... – not having to worry much on defense. <laughs> so uh, that obviously changes the dynamic of the game. Okay, so they got the over on 46.5 total receiving yards for Dallas Goddard. All right, my last pick is, I think, a little more daring, but, uh, and everybody might say, wow, that's really daring, but I'm going to tell you why I don't think it's daring at all. It's Kenneth Gainwell, he's the running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, the second running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. Over under a set at 33.5 total rush and receiving yards. 33.5 total rush and receiving yards. I am taking the over on 33.5 total rushing receiving yards. Let me tell you why. The Chiefs allowed the eighth least rush yards per game to opposing teams in the regular season, 107.2, but the fourth most receiving yards to opposing running backs. Against the Giants in the divisional round, Gainwell had 13 touches total for 121 total yards. And against the 49ers' vaunted defense in the conference championship, Gainwell had uh, 16 touches for 74 total yards. Now, Miles Sanders, you're, you're probably all saying, well, what about Miles Sanders? He's our RB1 back there, isn't he? Well, Miles Sanders just isn't used in the receiving game. He's only had one reception so far in the playoffs. And even if we look at the rush yards, look at the ground, he's had 28 carries for 132 yards in the postseason as compared to Gainwell's 26 carries for 160 yards. Gainwell gets all the running back passing targets, has – uh, near 50-50 split on carries compared to Sanders, and has outgained him by 28 rush yards in the playoffs. I suspect the Eagles will continue the timeshare, so I'm board with Gainwell going over the measly 33.5 total rush and receiving yards in this game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think one of the things Philadelphia has really done well is use their running back. Yeah. Uh, you just don't know right. uh, what they're going to do, no matter who is back there. Yep. And uh, Gainwell has been really a big contributor, I think, to this team this year outside of Jalen Hurts running it himself. Well, certainly in the, but, in uh, the playoffs,
1: he's really broken yeah. out. I mean, like, he's really, really broken out in the last two games. But yeah, he's always been there as a contributor. Right. Uh, and I think he just doesn't get a lot of uh, attention.
0: I, that, I agree. I don't think so either. Um, you know, he's a young player and, you know, people kind of, might not you know recognize it but like yeah i think like 35 point, i mean that is really yeah, low for
1: yeah. yeah it's really low i think everyone's expecting jalen hurts to run a lot i and, think and so that's too probably why i think so too this prop is so yeah. low but I just think that I mean when you add the receiving yards in there and the fact that the Chiefs allow the fourth most receiving yards to opposing running backs and the fact that he gets all the receiving targets basically for the running backs back there, it's it's almost like a no brainer. Well,
0: you know, one of the reasons I think that Jalen has just been running so much is because he yeah. had that problem with his um it's
1: throwing shoulder. Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah it just made sense for him to run it if he saw an opportunity rather than throw it. But even even
1: that said, they haven't been doing a ton of design runs with him recently. Maybe no. because they just don't need it. Yes. But um, I think with Gainwell kind of breaking out, they don't need to risk Jalen Hurts out there running anymore. Right,
0: but I, I agree. I don't think they need to risk it because, of course, they don't want him to get hurt before the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, I mean, this is the Super Bowl. Uh, they yeah, want him to gonna be out there. They right. want him to finish. The They're game. not leaving anything on but the field. But he has a whole offseason to recover if something happens. So, <laughs> so we
1: can see plenty of design runs for Jalen Hurts, too. But I I have confidence in Gainwell there. And that, of course, brings us to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right, Joanne, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you?
0: It's uh, Kung Fu For You on Twitter.
1: All right. Feel free to tune in to our Twitter
0: and let her know what you think of our picks. And
1: as I say, you can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time or on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. We hope you enjoy our weekly scare and make some money with our weekly dares. Until next time, enjoy your end of a
0: week and
1: Super Bowl
0: 57. Good luck, everyone.